Complaining of a sore throat in the green room that night, he was uncharacteristically flat and slow on the uptake during an interview segment. Henson used the occasion to plug an upcoming special shot at Disney World in Orlando and introduce Clifford, a new Muppet musician, working with Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, the house band from The Muppet Show. African-American puppeteer Kevin Clash gave voice and performance to Clifford, he of the fuchsia dreadlocks, sunglasses, and vocal delivery that was distinctly urban contemporary. Chris Cerf lost a dear friend and comic collaborator in Henson. Walking into the memorial, he was numb with grief, but being surrounded by his CTW colleagues was a comfort. Only months earlier, Sesame Street composer-arranger extraordinaire Joe Raposo had been laid to rest, dead at age 51 from complications of lymphoma. Cooney knew that everything about Sesame Street had been turned upside down the minute Jim Henson was declared dead at 1.30 a.m. on Wednesday, May 16th. In his final hour, he twice went into cardiac arrest as the raging infection shut down his organs and left him struggling for air, surrounded by strangers. The cause of his death was Group A streptococcal pneumonia, an infection that probably started with that sore throat he complained about in Los Angeles. A timely course of penicillin could have saved him, but he chose not to seek medical help until it was too late. Henson, whose mother was a practicing Christian scientist, had considered calling in a faith healer, but after hours of feverish decline, he finally acceded to be taken to the hospital. A plaintive call from his manager, Bernie Burlstein, phoning from Los Angeles, convinced him to leave his apartment at the Sherry Netherland Hotel in Manhattan. Instead of summoning an ambulance, Henson was transported by a car service ordered by Brillstein. Precious minutes were lost as the driver pulled up to a door at New York Hospital that was three-quarters of a block away from the emergency entrance. Jim Henson was a genius, reinventing puppetry for the television age and inspiring a raft of characters that could make you smile just thinking about them. Puppetry, he once said, is a way of hiding. At six foot three, and perpetually bearded to cover acne scars, Henson was defined by bemusing and often baffling contradictions. He was shy by nature, yet his creations were explosively silly and spontaneous. Often reticent and contemplative, at times he eagerly played the Pied Piper, organizing one of New York's most outrageous annual costume parties. He spoke of simple pleasures, but had a taste for European casinos, coastal vacation homes, and four-star dining. He lived large, but, as a proto-environmentalist, talked of protecting a small planet's shrinking resources. Henson was deeply unhappy and fatigued in the months leading up to his death. Many believed he had sensed he would not live to see his grandchildren, pointing to a plan he had drawn up five years earlier for the public memorial service as an evidence that he believed the end was near. Henson wrote the letter three years before he began working, without a contract, for the Walt Disney Company. Doing so, some believe, was the beginning of the end. Henson believed there was no entertainment company better suited than Disney to perpetuate such multidimensional characters as Miss Piggy, the porcine diva, Fozzie Bear, the clueless comic, and the hectoring balcony critics Sattler and Waldorf. Disney's history of protecting its characters is the stuff of Hollywood legend. Cooney knew Disney CEO Michael Eisner to be cold, arrogant, and insistent when he was in pursuit of a creative property. 
She was not pleased with his predatory forays into Sesame Street. Her gut churned as she considered how miserable Eisner had made things for Henson in his final months. Henson's gentle manner masked a steely shrewdness. You could not budge him if he didn't want to be budged. But Eisner had been surprisingly relentless in the Henson campaign. Cooney, a courteous woman who had persuaded senators and top philanthropists to do her bidding, who had stared down cancer, and who was married to a private equity mogul who could quite possibly arrange to buy the entire Disney company if push came to shove, was not intimidated by his tactics. She was convinced that Eisner would not be satisfied until his deal with Henson was sweetened by ownership of the Sesame Muppets, which generated an estimated 15 to $17 million annually in licensing and merchandising fees split between Sesame Workshop and Henson Associates Incorporated. In time, both organizations...